0: welcome to the Who'd Have Thought That About Drought podcast. I'm Dr Rebecca Pierce. Firstly, an apology from me, I've been on holiday. I thought I would be able to post this while I was away, but internet access wasn't up to scratch where I was, and audio files are very large. But never mind all that, we can now catch up with a watery theme. Yes, I know, the grass is greening up again, since we have had a nice dollop of rain but these heavy rains have been blamed in recent years for washing even more nutrients from our soil into watercourses. In hot weather, this can lead to the development of harmful algal blooms containing cyanobacteria that are toxic. The Environment Agency regularly tests for these, and this year there have been plenty of warnings to stay out of lakes and rivers that are affected. Before I left for my holiday, the heatwave was still in force and I passed a gentleman sitting on the pavement repairing his garden walls, sensibly sheltering under an enormous umbrella. I congratulated him on his sensible approach to keeping out of the sun. He said, this is the sort of thing I do when I can't fish. Remarking on how the wall repair had been waiting for several years and it was finally the drought and heat wave that had facilitated the repair. The umbrella was one he used for fishing. You see, the problem with algal blooms is that they deoxygenate the water and can kill fish. At the very least, fish lay low and try to keep cool. Low water levels and rising water temperatures have meant keen anglers have had to find something else to keep themselves occupied. For the Historic Drought Project, I've been making oral history recordings with people who remember memorable droughts. One of the most interesting was that with Ken and Shirley Spaulding. In 1976, Ken escaped from the city and took a job in North Cornwall as Reservoir Warden at the newly created Upper Tamar Lake. The lake was owned by the old Southwest Water Authority. Ken managed the lake from 1976 to 1992 and kept very detailed diaries which are now deposited in the Cornwall archive. In these diaries he keeps very detailed records of daily water temperature, the colour and the consistency of algal blooms and what is happening to the fish data is incredibly interesting here ken is describing the upper and lower tamar lakes complex
1: but it was uh they were, it was an enjoyable job in so far as you didn't have commercial pressure on you but it was very very popular the two lakes complex um, over the period of years that i was there about 15 years it, you, you ended up with about 10,000 rod days on the two lakes. That's 10,000 visits by fishermen on the two. One was a course fishery, and bird sanctuary, and the other was a trout
0: fishery. Mm. And so for the listeners who don't really know the difference between coarse fishing and trout fishing, do you want to sort of describe... Well,
1: coarse fishing are so-called because their skin is coarse. Ah. Okay. So that if you feel the fish, you can feel the scales, and, and if you feel trout, then they're smooth. Uh, that's the difference and uh, trout family you have brown trout is the native um, trout to this country and um, you uh, you fish for those on the upper lake uh, some were naturally bred because we had feeder streams where the fish would run up in the autumn spawn and lay their eggs hatch and come back into the lake and the same on the lower lake you could catch brown trout in the upper lake was stocked with rainbow trout which originate from america Um, and you have um, a mixture of genes in each fish so that some rainbow trout would be lake rainbows and some would be river rainbows and generally speaking they didn't breed in this country so it was what we called a put and take reservoir uh, so the fishermen hoiked the fish out after it had been stocked and then we'd restock it and they'd come back and do the same again. Mm. Um, I th- uh, the fish, generally speaking, are very good quality when you've got a new reservoir which Upper Tamar Lake was. It was only completed at the, the end of '75, and was then uh, you know filled and I went there on the 19th of April 1976. Um, The dam was built by a company called French Brothers and it cost £800,000 which wouldn't buy you a good sized house with grounds and a double garage now (laughs) but that's what it cost so um, it was a brand new lake and uh, it was full of water when we went there but the contract to put it on supply was just for the lake, the dam itself enable it to fill and there was a second contract for the treatment works mm. where they would treat the water from Upper Tamar and that wasn't built at all. So uh, in 76 the water from Upper Tamar was released into the river between the two lakes and they used the old um, Bude Canal system mm. for water to be transported down to a place called Venn water went through sand filter beds and then out mm. on supply. Right. Um, it was there, the old system was there mainly to supply Bude and the surrounding area mm. and um, they had to continue with that until the treatment works were built which mm. I think was a couple of years later in 78 or so. Right. So we, we had a lake full of water in 76 and mm. I went there in April. It was open for fishing. Um, The sailing club was started Mm -hmm. in in that year. Um, We started off with all kinds of strange boats because anyone who sailed or kept a boat on an estuary or the sea somewhere, brought their boat as it was Mm -hmm. to Upper Tamar. It wasn't divided into specific sailing classes or anything like that it was a weird conglomeration of all kinds of (laughs) craft but you know that's how you start things
0: it sounds as though the lakes were very busy and through the long hot summer of 1976 they had a huge number of visitors here ken talks about the lakes in the context of the wider water system so obviously the weather's very important because what what was feed what's feeding the lake that you're
1: uh, well, you you had a, a two full small feeder streams. Mm-hmm. Um, the lake itself is fed by the Tamar, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. headwaters of the Tamar.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and before the dam was built, um, salmon would run up as far as Taylor's Cross, which is at Kilcampton. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, you put a dam across the river; they can no longer do that. Mm. And in the first year that I was there, salmon ran up into the Stilling Basin below the dam, heading up as if they were going to go up to Taylor's Cross or one of the feeder streams. Mm. Um, but in fact what happened, because they couldn't move any farther than the basin below the dam, they dropped back into the stream between the two lakes and spawned there. Mm, mm. So um, it had an effect obviously on the, the, the you know, the... Uh, The water system, Mm. Um, but when you build a dam, you have to let water out down the river. It's called compensation flow to keep the river going. And obviously, they had to let enough water out to to enable water to be taken off the lower lake to feed the surrounding countryside until the treatment works was built. Mm. So you're slightly more coming out maybe than than would normally be the case. Mm. because that lake wasn't actually on supply as it was meant to be because the treatment works didn't exist to, to mm. treat the
0: water. Yeah,
1: yeah. So um, we had a lake full of
0: water mm. in a drought year. Ken's diary entries describe the rising water temperature but it is in the 1984 drought that Ken describes in detail the thick algal blooms that appear.
1: Roadford was in the process of being built anyway oh, so oh, uh, oh. It, it didn't actually mean that any further drought years had to depend on Upper Tamar. Mm. Um, I mean the lake is still there and it, the, the water is usable but it is subject to algal blooms
0: Right. and
1: mm. um, I think the cost of treatment of, of Upper Tamar water is quite excessive, they continually have to change filters in the water treatment <coughs> mm. and, um, so, and Roadford is now supplying the area so mm. yeah, and it's a big lake mm. so, and it doesn't get that problem
0: no because presumably that's a heat related problem is it now yeah. it, it's warmer generally is absolutely it, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You, you can get an, um, an alga bloom there are different kinds of algae that grow in fresh water mm. and um, it has a, an effect of um, make it can make have an effect on fish
0: uh mm. for
1: obvious reasons because the pH of the water changes right. and um, I had fish in cages in algal blooms mm. and um, you if you went on the uh, onto the cage walkways in normal times the fish would come up because they know they were going to be fed mm. but if you went when there was an algal bloom they wouldn't no, because no. the algae was in the top and they, would, they, they wouldn't—they wouldn't come up. It. Mm. And um, mostly the wind was down the lake on Upper Tamar, and the algae would collect mm. at the dam end, and the water would be green. It might have streaks of blue in it, and something mm. like this. And eventually, it would turn over and go to the bottom. Mm. When the algae came to the end of its life, mm. and it was the, the water quality was such that it killed it. Right. So it would drop to the bottom mm. but when it got to the bottom it would come out in the compensation flow into the stilling basin below the dam and then down the river into the into lower Tamar mm. and it would kill everything in the stilling basin so if there were fish in there it would wipe them Not out really. mm. and anything that was in the river mm. Mm. and then the algal bloom would clear and mm. the fish would come up from the lower lake again mm. and it had what we call adequate dilution in the lower lake so right. the fish in there weren't killed by it they would just migrate to the other yeah. end of the lake mm-hmm. and eventually it would solve itself mm. but it was was a problem yes. I think um, South West Water knew because it was dairy country that they were going to get an algal bloom yes because of the because added nutrients they, they yeah. knew that, but it was desperate
0: mm. that they got mm. a new
1: water supply so mm. they built it
0: the roadford reservoir is now as ken says in operation and the upper tamar lakes are managed by the southwest lakes trust they're still a very popular place to fish but not used for drinking water supply bye for now